0: Hi, this is Eric Hess, Encrypted Economy. Today's episode is with Janil Thacker. He's the CEO of Coinvise, a company that helps communities form DAOs, or Decentralized Autonomous Organizations. This episode talked a lot about the notion of social credibility and social tokens and how to incentivize participation and manage that participation within communities. We talked about social graphs, uh, social graph discovery, Mainly, namely, the credibility that your pseudonym online can bring with you to these various communities or DAOs. Since in, in the one week between taping this episode and me doing this intro, I probably used the term social graph like 30 times. It just was almost like that word I was missing when I was trying to communicate how credibility moves two communities. Uh, So I found it. It was an eye-opening episode. I really enjoyed the discussion with Janelle, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And with that, I bring you Janil Thacker, CEO of CoinVice. Welcome to The Encrypted Economy, a weekly podcast featuring discussions exploring the business, laws, regulation, security, and technologies relating to digital assets and data. I am Eric Hess, founder of hess Legal Council. I've spent decades representing regulated exchanges, broker dealers, investment advisors, and all matter of fintech companies for all things touching electronic trading with a focus on new and developing technologies. So this is Eric Hess with the Encrypted Economy, and I'm excited to have Janil Thacker with me today. He's the CEO of CoinVice. And Coinvice delivers is a platform that delivers, you know, social tokens and connects with DAOs. And, you know, he'll explain a lot more about what they do on the podcast. It's an exciting topic. And we're excited to have him on the show. So Janil, welcome.
1: Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'd love to talk more about CoinWise and sort of give you a little bit of a background. Is that going to be helpful?
0: Yes. Yes. So yeah, if yeah, well, so you can give a background on yourself, you know, and, sure. and go into CoinVice from there.
1: Yeah, so uh, I started out uh, by doing research uh, when I was in college in about 2015 or 2016. In my sophomore year, uh, I was really interested in doing a PhD in crypto economics uh, and doing even a master's. And I landed a job as a research assistant with one of my professors. And one of the grants we had at the time was from Ethereum. So we worked on this protocol called the Token uh, Reward Protocol, and we worked on mining pool security and a bunch of other interesting projects. And one of them got accept, accepted as one of the EIPs and today is used uh, as the token locking protocol as we know it. And after graduating, my professor co-founded a company called Zero Chain, which is building a decentralized AWS. And I was one of the early hires there. I worked with them on uh, storage and being able to find challenge protocols on how to uh, make efficient storage by without trusting each other uh, for nodes in the network, which was pretty fun to work on. And after doing that, I briefly worked with Fabian Vogelsteller on the reversible ICO, which was an interesting problem to work on. At the time, we had uh, a bunch of interesting ICOs happen and it just seemed like an interesting problem to work on. So I worked with Fabian on that for a little bit, where we sort of discovered how can we make an ICO more time-locked and sort of make it algorithmic where the funds can be actually returned back. And it's open source on GitHub, which is an interesting project. And I think through that, I realized what crypto could do and could be useful to consumer by just talking to Fabian, who also, by the way, he created the ERC 20 token standard. So we were having this conversation at one night and one of the things that struck me is that the next wave of crypto is not just going to be sovereign protocols, but sovereign individuals. So that's when the grain of thought of about Coinmise started. And in my head, we were building, we're still building a social network for creators. And what that looks like on Web3 is really helping creators build a community uh, and giving those tools to build a community on Web3. So that's what Coinmise is. And I'll, I'll go more deeper into it, but that's my background.
0: Right. And excellent. So Talking about web three and connecting it with the vision, how do you envision web three facilitating what you're trying to accomplish on Coinvice? And and while we're at it, why don't we also sketch the vision of of web three as as you see it?
1: Yeah. So the way I see Web3 is is very simple. Uh, It decentralizes power. So how do we redistribute power from people or institutions or groups of people that have it? And how do we redistribute it to people? So to me, Web3 has always been about this idea of decentralizing power. And it was very simple. And uh, I think DAOs was an interesting concept to explore and was a part of it. But it all started with me studying cryptography. And being able to realize that we live in a world where there's so many ways where offense could win, there's so many uh, sort of ways there's nuclear energy, but with cryptography, sort of the defense wins. So we started exploring Web3 and what Web3 allows is economic freedom and being able to build really well-built systems by science and mathematics and cryptography that you can just say that these are very well-built mechanisms that humans could build and you can enforce that through smart contracts. So I think that part was really fascinating. And another part was that us as human beings, we could all like reach a consensus in a formulaic way. That's beautiful. A lot of times, if you look at sort of the inverse of that in the real world, is just lawyers. And I feel like this fits right in the context is that if you, if you talk to 100 lawyers, you might get 100 different answers. But if you talk to, let's say, a Python code or a smart contract, you might always get the right, just the one answer every single time. And it's, it's, uh, if you compare it, it's much cheaper to run a smart contract uh, in that particular example. But the way I like smart contracts is, is because it's so secure and it's, it's sort of backed by science and mathematics and, uh, and this idea of code is law. And we can use that to decentralize power is really fascinating to me. So that's what Web3 to me is. And initially, when we were thinking about CoinWise was that we want, I wanted to live in a world where there could be sort of these DAOs exist where you can just work for these multiple DAOs and there could be sovereign groups of people that can just operate on the internet and have this sort of economic freedom. So yeah, that's what Web3 means to me.
0: Right so so and and certainly that concept of the sovereign individual right. is a is a core component of web3o. You know when you start to think about anonymity or and we're going to talk about this which is truly a fascinating topic pseudony- yeah. uh, pseudonymity and and what that means. So the vision of 3o is basically you have an identity it's not necessarily being centralized within a you know a Google repository or otherwise because right. it's your data you're protected you're, it's secure, but with your activity, there is a profile that you bring with you too, right? And mm-hmm. that may not be necessarily the vision directly of 3.0, but it's a vision that you see, whether through CoinVise or otherwise, developing where the individual's social graph, if you will, and you'd use the right. term to me after you, I was talking to Janil and he said social graph, but I looked into it I'm like, okay, I get it. Wow. Okay. That's a word for it. So yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'm a little bit beyond that one, but, but before, why don't we spend a moment, because I think it touches directly onto uh, this notion uh, of Web3O explaining what the social graph is.
1: Yeah. So a social graph is really in the real world. We have these profiles, like you said, on Google or Facebook uh, or a lot of these other different platforms where uh, certain parts of your identity, like your name, your last name, your email, your, your male or female, there's these sort of these data points that you give out and that's sort of your identity on the internet. And you sort of use that in different places. What crypto allows is that you're identified by either a hash or, or just your wallet address, uh, which is what we refer to as pseudo anonymity or an identity that is unique, but you can point to that says, okay, this is Eric Hess. And it, it's liberating in a way because it's not just limiting you to just this one identity. You can actually have synthetic identities. And one of the things that I was just researching that I saw that about, I think 7% of Instagram's accounts are actually synthetic accounts, which means that they don't actually represent real human beings, or they might, and they're run by real human beings, but they're all fictional characters. And what we see or what we envision a world is that uh, a lot of individuals or groups of individuals might have synthetic identities uh, that are sort of pseudo-anonymous on that tree. Uh, But the idea of social graph is that once you do have a token and sort of start to move your real world activities on chain uh, and live in a world where you're sort of contributing and constantly interacting with these other different individuals, all on chain, all on Web3, what does that social graph look like? Uh, And what does those activity or how do you build sort of trust? How do I trust someone if I'm interacting with them without even knowing their identity while preserving privacy? That's a very interesting problem to solve. And part of the long-term goal of CoinWise is to have a repository or a graph of these individuals or group of individuals that are sort of pseudo-anonymous, but they can still interact with one another in a trusted way while maintaining privacy. And that's what the social graph looks like, where we can all uh, interact with each each other and the value exchange can be seamless while maintaining privacy. So that's what like the idea of a, like a long-term social graph looks like.
0: Right. And, and just to sort of build on that theme and to contrast it with where we are today, uh, certainly something I want to pursue even more on the podcast sure. is the difference between the centralized and the decentralized world. In the centralized world, your your credibility online, you know, it's it's Google knows it, you know, whatever search engine is collecting information on you, they have the algorithms, they make they they tell you who you talk to, they you know your searches are sort of derived from this avatar, we'll go go to the social network or any of these other documentaries where they know who you are. In many respects, they may know who you are even better than you know yourself, at least with regards to your online presence. And you don't necessarily control how much of that you want to share. Then you move from that sort of more perfect centralized framework Mm -hmm. to a decentralized framework, which is Web 3.0, where you're saying, listen, I don't want you to collect I don't want you to create this avatar and right. dictate to me who I am online. I right. want to be, you know, I, I want to be my own sovereign individual, to use your words. But to your point, now I'm on my own sovereign individual. I have to now contemplate, how do I add trust back into the system? Sure. Because now that I've reframed myself as the sovereign individual, mm-hmm. I now need to think about, okay, well, what do I have to do to support myself so right. that, that there is credibility associated with me? So that I can disclose where I want to disclose and have it valued in the communities that I want it valued in.
1: Right. And, and a part of this sort of blends in. So like you said, is how do you build uh, sort of credibility? And once you have the freedom that, okay, this is the information that I have full control over and I'm disclosing, and, and it's, it's all a hash, you're not disclosing fully. But a part of where our vision with Coinbase intersects with this idea of a social graph or pseudonymous identity is being the fact that you can actually record all the previous on-chain activity or contributions that you've done in different communities or uh, or even your ownership in a lot of these communities that you have through these tokens and that can be one of the ways where i can establish okay this person has contributed x and x to these different communities online and uh, they have sort of these like very deep ownership and deep value uh, and a really long history with these different communities that I really you know uh, value and have trust with, I think that's the best way to build trust in, in the Web two world, if you wanted to build trust, uh, you can do it obviously with your experience and with your work, uh, and then there's sort of algorithm that plays in in whatever platform you're on. But if really if you wanted to build trust just out of nothing is, is how you associate uh, yourself with something high trust. So let's say if tomorrow I work at Google. I'm associating myself with a high trust institution. And because of that, now you trust me. So in traditional Web2 worlds, we tend to build trust by associating ourselves with high trust. Uh, Similarly, on-chain on Web3, the way we are solving this problem and building building sort of an on-chain identity for people and the social graph uh, while maintaining sort of privacy and giving full like sovereignty to individuals is uh, sort of giving that or showcasing that ownership and contributions that they've done in these communities and them being associated and having ownership in these high trust communities. And that's a way to build trust. So that's this idea that we're like sort of moving forward with.
0: Excellent. And, and I think that's a good segue into what Coinvise is doing with regards to DAOs. And how do DAOs, and maybe we'll, we'll go do it this way, how do DAOs fit into this? And and what is the CoinVise vision of
1: of it? Yeah, so let's start the story where in my head, uh, I really wanted to build a social network because if I wanted to scale crypto, uh, at least bring it to mainstream and scale it to the next billion people or have my grandma use it, it had to be a social network. DeFi was harder to digest, but at the time, it seemed like NFTs was a concept that most people understood really well. Uh, so in my head, the vision was that we wanted to build a social network for a lot of these groups of individuals or communities, or even more nuanced way to say is, is DAOs that have a more established constitution or a framework in the form of smart contracts. How do we build that? And the way that we got started was this idea of a social token, is that uh, if you wanted to launch a DAO, it seemed like a really big decision. Uh, You had to know how to maintain governance. You had to know how to maintain treasury. You had to know how to run a community and being able to airdrop these tokens and sort of uh, make these decisions on chain, make a proposal, get votes. It seemed very intimidating and a really big decision, almost synonymous to starting a new company. Uh, Whereas launching a token is more like launching a side project. It, It feels like a lower decision. But the benefit that you get there is that incrementally, you can sort of build your community And six months down the line, you may not even know what the community looks like. But incrementally, as you move your sort of real world activities on chain, you start with a token and you slowly start to set up your treasury. You slowly start to do governance online. And before you even know it, you're a DAO. So it wasn't really to jump directly into the idea of DAOs. It was essentially leading up to the idea of, okay, let's start with a token and let's start with giving people economic freedom. Then the second layer was, okay, Let's now that people have economic freedom, now let's, them, let's give them sort of this freedom of identity or freedom of expression on the internet and sort of s- extrapolate this idea of what freedom looks like on the internet and how we can sort of go about our lives. So that's how the idea of CoinWise started with was we wanted to build tools that help anybody mint a social token and build a community and build incentives around it. So on CoinWise, if you go today, you can create your own token pretty simply. Uh, You can do an airdrop to, you can send and receive these tokens, essentially. Uh, You can build incentives, like you can create a bounty or a reward uh, to reward your early supporters or create a bounty where if you want to get some, let's say someone to write an article for you or create some content, you can get paid. And you can pay them with your token. You can invest in other individuals. There's multiple use cases that are really interesting. Uh, you can even create an NFT to crowdfund for your community. So these are some tools that we've built that make it really simple for anybody to run and build and operate their community on chain on Web3. But the long term vision is, again, once you have that economic freedom and once we have this sort of repository of individuals that have these tokens and sort of sovereign individuals, uh, how do we build a social graph? and sort of give even more freedom uh, while maintaining privacy is sort of the long-term goal of CoinWise. But today, it's the simple and most trusted platform where you can create a token and build incentives around them.
0: Excellent. And, and in the context of airdropping tokens and yeah. the economics around that, how do you, how do you envision that? I mean, not, not I know that CoinVise doesn't necessarily say you should you know adopt this particular model, but where do you see the, the evolution of, of that going towards? As, a, as yeah. an economic model.
1: Yeah, I, I think airdrops can be, uh, are really, I mean, it, it's more than just sending and receiving payments. It's, it's really a way to align yourself with a group of people that you trust, right? So early on, it could be just if I'm doing my own personal token early on, it could be the 20 people or even 10 people that I trust. And I airdrop them, uh, these tokens as a way to just show a support or as a way for their support that they did, let's say, previously in the past, and I feel like they really supported me. And uh, these tokens are a way for aligning. So if I get successful in the future, they're aligned with that success. So uh, it's that initial alignment. But long term, it's really more about ownership. Uh, In having that sort of these airdrops, what they represent is you're slowly giving out this ownership to these different people. And you want to do it in a way where you trust these people. So you just don't do it with everybody. You make sure that you're not building an audience, which is more of a Web2 framework. You're building a community. And building a community is all about building a culture. And culture is best built where you can build around people you trust and people you like. Because essentially, when you're in a community, you're hoping that you'll stick around with them for a really long time. Uh, And to stick around with them for a really long time, you need to have a strong culture. Uh, So when you're giving out these airdrops, the framework or the economic model that we stick around with or the way we think about it is that you're really giving away ownership to these people and they should be given out. There's a lot of these communities have a framework where they set up treasury. Okay. I want 20% of the treasury to be allocated uh, as airdrops to early supporters or airdrops for uh, doing some kind of work. It could be some kind of reward or it could be some kind of, let's say, just join my discord and do this kind of work and verify yourself. And see if you align with the values. And that could be a low friction task for most people. And they could get an airdrop for that. So those kinds of economic incentives where you're sort of finding ways to increase collaboration and increase trust within a community is something that we look forward. And we can talk more about what it means to build a community, but that's what like airdrops and economics of that. But that's how we think about it.
0: Right, right. And, and I think, you know, it, I think it's a good launching point to the, the next uh, topic, which is the types of groups that would be right. most inclined to create these DAOs. Yeah. You know, uh, fundamentally, I think it's the creators, but uh, sure. I'll let you expand a bit on that with your thoughts.
1: I think today the definition of creators may or may not be limited to influencers or people who are on social media or people but the way I see it is, is, is really just anybody that's sort of uh, creating value on the internet. It could be anyone tweeting. It could be uh, anyone, any developer that's writing code and publishing it to GitHub that's sort of adding value to some other folks all around the world. It could be a researcher in Switzerland that's doing longevity research and figuring out ways to how to stop aging. Uh, it could be a mathematician that found out a, a new way, a, a new theorem that sort of Uh, is a big breakthrough. So it's anybody that's sharing valuable information on the internet is a creator because essentially you're creating value for people. Uh, It could be low value or it could be high value depending on how you see it. But essentially everybody's a creator in our lens, Uh, at least in terms of the way we see it at CoinWise and and more philosophically, if you will. Uh, So that's what a creator is. And uh, I feel like the definition of a creator or at least the groups of people that we see adopting social tokens, or just building DAOs uh, more generally are either research groups. So there's this amazing DAO called Vita DAO that's doing longevity research, or either it's these Gen Z groups that have adopted technology more faster or are more likely to adopt technology faster, or these gamers or influencers. So either it's these really scientific or research groups or groups of people that sort of align and meet on the internet and these groups form, or influencers, the creators online or even uh, one of the great projects is Flamingo uh, DAO or Open Law that have built, again, a really good society and a really good DAO. Or, again, one of the most common use cases of DAOs is investment DAOs that we've seen that these different syndicates form of people investing in other startups and using that DAO framework as a way of pooling funds and allocating it to other useful projects. So these are some like people today that are forming DAOs, but we're going to see almost everybody being a part of DAOs.
0: Interesting. And, and, and I guess... Would, would investing in an influencer be
1: sort of like meme investing, I mean, <laughs> as opposed to a creator? Yeah. yeah. So so the rule we have at CoinWise is participation over speculation. We're trying to run as far as away from this notion of meme coins or shit coins or what have you. And uh, <laughs> yeah. it, it's no rule. Again, there's, there's no rules at CoinWise, but uh, it's all about uh, building intuitive incentive designs and mechanism designs that sort of incentivize uh, the behavior that we envision CoinWise to be. So in terms of economics or in terms of mechanism design, we want to make it more profitable to participate in communities than to speculate in communities. So the way we are designing CoinWise is is more like a game where a lot of these uh, communities that create their tokens and, and the way they're designed is more gauged around participation and how to increase that participation instead of uh, speculation and yes initially people if a community is doing well people are going to come in and join in for the speculation but there needs to be a high barrier on again i'm coming back to culture because uh, what really DAOs are is they don't have a hierarchy like normal companies it's a flat hierarchy everybody sort of has ownership and uh, everybody's sort of on the same level so it's difficult to manage a lot of it is automated and enforced through smart contracts but how do you sort of have this notion of culture? And I think that's that's something that defines participation over speculation. Uh, if you have a really strong culture, people tend to sort of participate more. In, and one of the best examples is, is Ethereum itself. I think Vitalik Buterin, even though he stepped out of it, he created a culture that even everybody like really closely follows, or at least over two-thirds majority of the community follows that culture very closely. And not many people are speculating over ETH, although that that's probably different today. But how do you design really good culture where you can essentially build incentives that make it more profitable to participate than to speculate? And, and that's what we're doing with communities where we work with them uh, to build a good culture and make sure that and the way they design incentives is, is sort of helping people collaborate more in, in the slightest way possible. So yeah.
0: If you think about like a, a possible real world example or something that's currently successful that might naturally move into a DAO type community, I don't know. I'm I'm throwing this out of left field, but I kind of think of like. A GitHub because like GitHub basically it's open source and you're trying to engage a community around it to help contribute and shape it. I mean it could also just be open source like hey I'm I'm done with it I put it on. Of course you're not going to get a community even on even on GitHub. It's like it's it's one thing to say hey I'm just going to take my code open source. Well that right. just means it sits on GitHub and nobody looks at it. You still right. have to build that community. Mm-hmm. And so and again love to hear your thoughts on it. But it seems like it's a natural evolution of taking like like an open source type project like GitHub and being more thoughtful about creating a community around it with incentive mechanisms and maybe some more personal stake in the overall success of the project. Just love to hear your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah. And 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 you can completely disagree. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, uh, so... I I'm personally, so I come from a developer background. So I personally love Radical. Radical is building a decentralized GitHub. I think even today, GitHub has a lot of ownership over the code that you submit. I, I do love the value, right. of it, but I think uh, the way the platform is built, I think Radical is sort of building a really interesting product for developers, sort of a decentralized GitHub. But, but anyways, I, I think what most people confuse incentives with is, is with strategy. Incentives is not strategy. Incentives is not what sustains a community. The way we like to put it is that if your community has a really clear mission, that can be stated as a meme. So if your mission is so simple that it can be stated as a meme, and your values are so in align with whoever joins your project, let's say it's open source. And it's a really fun project. It's actually uh, one of the best examples that I can give was uh, during coronavirus, there was an open source project on gathering and aggregating data in India about COVID cases every day. And everybody was sort of aligned with it, not because of incentives, but because they had their own personal families and they, had, they wanted to just do good for like a larger, larger purpose that everybody was trying to solve. And everybody was actively contributing to that repository And it wasn't only incentives, but incentives tied along with really core values that everybody can say, okay, I'm really aligned with this. And our goal is simple, that we're aggregating data, and we're tracking these COVID cases and see what happens. So it's a very simple goal, A, uh, everybody's aligned with the values, and then there's really clear incentives to work where you get directly paid for your work. And if you match all of these things, and if you reinforce it long enough, you have a community. Got so, it.
0: So your your thinking is, is that the CoinVise is looking at it more like a way for people pursuing passions, things that they're fundamentally interested in, and a pure incentive-based structure may not ultimately be as well, I think, so I guess it's a has to be a combination of both. A, it has to be a combination the challenge of, and incentive it,
1: it has to yeah. be a combination of both because we saw uh, web two platforms try doing that for you it's sort of like a loyalty points approach where you get directly sort of uh, reimbursed for for the work you do and they, there were these really interesting incentives where a lot of platforms were trying to build it and it's not just for passion projects it's actually for useful projects so i'll give another example of carbon credits carbon credits is again it's it's not a really leaping forward ambitious approach to to what climate change looks like. But it's an interesting approach where if you have a really strong carbon footprint, and if you're carbon neutral, you sort of get these carbon credits as a token that you can, you can sort of swap. And I think that was something really interesting for people, or even open law, where if I'm sort of in different jurisdictions, and if if Web3 has to go mainstream, being able to tackle around these different jurisdictions in different countries. I think that's a great idea for, for a DAO. So a lot of these real world use cases where uh, crypto can be leveraged to solve problems and passion is just people, right? If you can find interesting people uh, from all around the world, technology can unite them, and you can sort of solve a problem together. But what crypto really does is that how can you leverage a technology like Web3 and sort of solve problems with science and mathematics that weren't before possible with Web2? So yeah, that's that's really the way we see it in terms of just how these DAOs form or communities form.
0: Excellent. And then as you, we think about the social graph and the development of this space, sure. I think you and I have also talked about how to discover, you
1: know, the discovery of these social graphs. And and could you want to develop on that a little bit? Yeah. So on CoinWise, you can, yes, you can create a token, you can create, uh, you can do airdrops, you can create bounties, you can create all these two things, but tools alone aren't the solution. We need to create an experience where we need to tie those tools up in a social experience, which a lot of these other social media platforms do. They all really have these different tools where you can message people, where you can like, where you can upload information. But these tools are tied along by a social experience. And one of the things that we talked to every community and what they valued was discovery. We're, doing, uh, we're also solving the discovery problem where we're sort of aggregating these individuals or these creator DAOs, as you, as you call it, our communities. And we're sort of giving them a stage for them to showcase what they're working on. And that's future work for us. And I'll explain how. So if if you're going on CoinWise and if you discover that there's this research lab in Switzerland that's working on on neuroscience and on a Sunday evening, I'd like to contribute to that research in the slightest way possible, I could not only get paid for these tokens, but now I know that something like this exists and I can join that DAO and being in India, I can contribute uh, to these other different groups of people that are working on interesting problems by sitting anywhere uh, in the world and get paid for it in my MetaMask uh, really quickly in their tokens. So that was a really powerful concept because now I can not only work for multiple of these creator DAOs and build an income, but I can completely exit out of these conventional jobs that we have today where you work for a corporate institution nine to five and you sort of get paid instead. I could join a basketball DAO where I could contribute to them and sort of earn those tokens. I could join, let's say, a longevity DAO and sort of do research uh, on the weekdays. I could really have a diverse skill set and find a DAO in the world that does exactly that and contribute to them and probably be more successful and have more economic freedom by contributing to them and be more happier. And I think that's what future work looks like to us. And that's all possible just because we're giving them a stage and we're sort of giving them discovery. And another aspect that sort of comes out of it is being able to leverage these communities. Uh, So let's say FWB as a community and uh, Forefront as a community. Now these communities can interact with each other and find out, sort of leverage their sort of members for each other and sort of, let's say a forefront community can join and collab with FWB community and find ways to collaborate together. So discovery is sort of like multifaceted where it not only gives like an avenue for future work, but it sort of creates opportunities for inter-DAO or cross-DAO communication.
0: Right. So the discovery allows the, I guess, somebody who's looking for work or vice versa, they can leverage their social graph more by somebody yeah. who's searching for them, somebody who's looking to find more information about them can do it. You know, if you give them the discovery tools, that can almost, that's right. almost like a CV
1: without a CV. Exactly. And if you go to CoinWise today, all you will see is just these incentives or, or just these bounties created by these multiple DAOs that if you just go to CoinWise.co, you'll see Forefront has created a bunch of bounties where if you write an article on that platform and if it's great, you get rewarded with 400 FF. And there's a lot of these bounties and there's a lot of platforms that sort of do discovery for these DAOs. But the way we're sort of approaching this problem is that you can see actual use cases and you can actually find work, not a, not just as Fiverr, but you now have ownership in Forefront and you can build your profile on CoinWise where you can see, okay, I contributed this to Forefront and then I joined also joined FWB and contributed that. And sort of build your online identity or online resume of what communities you have ownership in and what contributions you've done, and that sort of builds trust over time
0: yeah so i, I like the the Fiverr or or upwork example because right. it, it does sort of, sort of sort of go to it today if you go on these platforms, your engagement is I'm looking or yeah. I want it's to do like I'm looking for work or i'm looking what's that? It, it it's a it, marketplace yeah it, I'm it, looking
1: market- for work or yeah. And, and we're trying to extrapolate this idea of, of not being a marketplace, but, but being more of a community. Again, it's this idea of building an audience versus a community. It's, it's a two-way function where the focus is more on participation over financial aspect of it. Where A lot of these platforms feel more financial, where you just do the work and get out. And that's it. But in this case, you're not just doing the work, you're actually joining the community. And you're sort of right. not signing a contract, but you're just joining the community just because it's interest to you, not just for the bounty itself, but also just building trust and being able to like, work with these other different people that can be a part of your on-chain resume or, or, or just that you can say, hey, I'm a part of this VitaDAO and we're working on longevity research and I not only get paid for it, it's not just like fiber, but I'm showing up the culture of it. I really like the culture of it. And that's what's empowering to us is being able to be part of these communities.
0: Yeah. And, and if you think about it, it, it's really an evolution away from the Amazon star rating and comment right. model, where, you know, when you're searching for something, okay, what do I have? I've got who ranked it before, which is relevant. And I've got what they said about it, which is relevant. But right. it's the people you're taking it from. They're not part of your community. You're just hoping that enough of them are going to be honest actors, which, you know, I think for the most part they are, but it's, you don't really have that sense. It's like, it's very trans. I mean, like a marketplace should be, it's transactional. It's Whereas, and in these communities, you take that, all that components in it, you still have the commentary, you still have the credibility, you still have the rating, you still have the ability to, 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 to engage But what you really get is sort of that continuing interaction. What you really get is almost like a fusing of, you know, what people have tried to accomplish with LinkedIn, which is the online networking. But you do it in a a way that's sort of much more, you know, you're not segmenting out network interaction, segmenting out your Upwork or Fiverr or what have you. You're sort of combining it all together in a way that sort of, you know, I guess accomplishes even more goals,
1: right? Yeah. I I mean, tokens not only unlock, Sort of capital as we see it in the real world as fiat, but tokens unlock social capital here because you're not just—it's not just transactional. Like I give you money and you do work for me, you're unlocking a social capital, and social capital is often ways is much more valuable than financial capital itself. And it's unlocking more than that. You're unlocking social capital and you're unlocking equity because these tokens represent equity in a DAO, equity in a human being and it could be worth uh, something today but it's really you're owning a piece of piece of a group that could be you know doing really well in future and you're aligning yourself with that success but it's it's really like gathering these tokens as as gathering like equity sort of in these different communities and these communities really are just like you know uh, working like startups as you move sort of on chain and they have their own market caps and they're building their own economy so it's really owning equity in these companies for doing some work and you're unlocking social capital, which is a plus. So it's, it's a whole new different experience that sort of Web3 enables, which uh, sort of these transactional natures of other of these marketplaces, we haven't been able to do that yet.
0: And I didn't think of this before the call, but I remember, you know, talking, you know, obviously I'm I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm my own law firm and I my own right. companies and, you know, networking, it's like you have to network. But, you know, one thing that I, constantly heard starting to resonate with me, you really can't make it transactional. Like sometimes you network if you don't have these other tools, you don't have these other community-based tools, it's very easy to get focused on, okay, how does my participation in this get me a client or right. <laughs> how do I get paid doing right. this? And if that's the focus, it's not genuine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even though we're all in business there is still that component of being genuine. Like, I don't know this person. He's being very transactional. Maybe I'm not engaging him otherwise, but that doesn't make me more likely to engage him. Whereas in a community structure, you have much more of that give and take. So it's, it's just, you know, it's really intriguing to think about how we've tried to segment the LinkedIn, The upwork, all these different pieces. And what like CoinVise is doing is that it's taking it and not, you know, not just CoinVise is where we're going. It's more thinking of it as a community where there's give and take, there's participation. It's all sort of blended together and it allows people to be more authentic about what they're doing. And certainly when you talk about things like the social graph and discovery and the formation of the DAO itself and the tools that you're giving, it really is designed to facilitate that authenticity and credibility that comes with being a, a credible participant in a community. So
1: right, and I think uh, a lot of these communities at some point, uh, all of them are going to be DAOs, and and I think we're gonna we're gonna see a lot more uh, genuine where we say in the real world that that I've added so and so value in you, but any kind of uh, sort of these investors say value add or or any kind of interaction that we have, we sort of look at value as this imaginary thing that we're sort of giving each other in our lives going forward. But what what really the uh, this Web3 or tokens or social tokens that are represented by individuals do is it's quantifiable value, where you can point to a number and you can say, it's not only quantifiable social capital, but it's quantifiable value where every interaction could be genuine and every interaction could, could not just be like financial or transactional, but it could be bound to the culture of the community on whatever that looks like. And it's going to be very composable. It's not going to be generic or there's not going to be a framework or it's not going to look like, you know, C-Corp and LLC and the traditional frameworks that we see, or even the economic or the token designs that we see of, you know, there might be infinite supplies of these tokens that might be its own bonding curve they could have these different components where they can architect or sort of design their own uh, economic structures and culture. And that sort of defines what community looks like for them. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see.
0: Excellent. Excellent. So, and I guess one of the big challenges in all this is also education, right? Because, you know, I'm excited about it. You're excited about it. To a lot of people, you say you say DAOs. First thing that comes to their mind is the, the stock market, right? You know, D O W, right? right. Um, <laughs> yeah. And terms like Web 3.0 and DAO and even social graph. You know, I think a lot more people. I will say this, and I a lot more people are more focused on this notion of the Googles of the world forming social avatars and what that might mean. And there's a greater sensitivity to the fact that wow. There's a lot of information about me online. But when you leap over to this other stuff, you know, it took a while for even people to get that.
1: Right. How do we, you know, what is the education path for, for this? Right. So one of the goals, so our initial goals from for CoinWise was to be the most simple and trusted platform to create a token, create a social token and build incentives around it. But how do we make the onboarding problem, which is something we saw initially, where education around crypto was low and being able to have these long form conversations wasn't just scalable for these communities to do, especially some of these communities might already have like thousands of members and being able to educate them on what a wallet looks like, how to install it, how to get those tokens, how do you swap them or how do you use them felt like a leap. Uh, Or even for a creator, why should I mint a token? Why is it useful? What can I do with it? How do I set up treasury? There were more questions than answers. So uh, later down the line, even today, the solution that we came up with the education or the onboarding problem for creators and even for users was that now we have sort of, like I said, it feels more like a game where creating a token feels more use case oriented, where you can select a set of these frameworks that sort of apply to you if it's a community token we have some recommended token design if it's a personal token we have a recommended token design once you mint it you earn 100 tokens you earn 100 creator tokens and these creator tokens are either our platform tokens or uh, some of the successful creator uh, tokens that we have in our DAO and that's level 1 then you go to level 2 which is setting up treasury which is automatically in your profile once you create a token then you, once you set that up, uh, you've cleared another level where you earn another 100 tokens. And we've created sort of these levels where it's a pretty generic framework where, okay, once you set up treasury, now set up governance. Then let's say uh, reward your first 20 or like uh, do an airdrop to your early supporters then it's a write down an article about your mission and your values and your culture and what what that looks like for a community. So we've really created our own, we've used our own platform to create these bounties or rewards for people to when they create a token, it feels more like a game where doing a lot of these things or educating themselves feels like leveling up. And uh, every stage you go, Uh, At some point, you become an all-star or you become a fully uh, on-chain creator where you get a badge or an NFT uh, for completing all these steps. And it just feels like uh, leveling up and winning a game. Uh, So that's how we're solving the onboarding or the education problem is just having these creators go through these bounties and claim rewards for it because they're getting paid. We've built these incentives to just people to claim rewards for doing things that uh, you know, they might otherwise have to go educate themselves on. Well,
0: oh, excellent, excellent. So, before we break, anything else that I maybe should have asked you that I didn't ask you on the podcast, or you'd like to cover a little bit more
1: that we didn't touch on? I think I think we covered covered a lot. I think there's there's a lot of interesting platforms, and and I feel like there's the whole idea around education or adoption around crypto is is being focused on and solved by a lot of these. Uh, other platforms and the crypto community as a whole. So I'm optimistic that at some point we will all at least explore uh, Web3 and see how that could be useful to us and see how we can shape better. Uh, because in the end, the way I say it is, uh, there's a quote that in the end, it's all about entropy. If I if we switch that quote a little bit, it's in the end, it's all about coordination games. And if you can figure out human behavior and if you can figure out coordination problems, I think you've figured out how to build a good community and how to solve sort of build an ideal or utopian social network. So I'm really personally on the side. I'm really researching on this idea of coordination games and what that means like. And I think game theory has a lot of interesting concepts that could be delved deeper into it. But I think that's that's always like uh, something interesting to see how these protocols evolve. Uh, And yeah, I, I feel like we covered a lot.
0: Excellent. So, if, if people want to learn more about you or about Coinwise, where should
1: they go? Uh, so, if they want to learn more about Coinwise, they can go to Coinwise.co or Co. on Twitter. Uh, we're a platform that is that makes it really simple and easy to create a social token that can represent individual or a group of individuals. Uh, these social tokens can be used for uh, monetization or building a community and using it. Uh, as an economic source to uh, propagate any kind of value that you're building. You can cr- do an airdrop to people. You can create incentives like rewards and bounties, even crowdsource with NFTs. We've built these stack of tools that uh, help any, any creator build an operate a community. Uh, if they want to find more about me, uh, you can reach out to me on Twitter at 0xgeneral. It's my first name with the 0x in the front of it, inspiration from hex notation initially. Uh, so yeah, that's how you can find me on Twitter you can learn more about coinwise at coinwise.co excellent thanks so much for coming on the show it's great to have you thank you Haz.